agent talk on the just baseball show it's november 10th we are doing outfield free agents you guys just crushed it on the shortstop side i felt like i missed out now i get to talk outfield with you peter looks like you guys had a lot of fun talking shortstop so let's do it again let's do it again this time we're talking outfield first on the top of this episode i want to address the city of chicago not the south side with the chicago white Sox, um but the chicago cubs you tell me what to talk about chicago cubs fans I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset at you specifically. And maybe it's due to the social media influence. Maybe it's due to the TikToks. Because on TikTok, we've been releasing our shortstop free agent predictions Mm -hmm. on YouTube, on our website, a lot of the same stuff. And the one fan base that is up our asses is Chicago Cubs fans. What do you want me to do? At the beginning of the season, we sort of glossed over Nico Horner. We acknowledged that he was becoming a solid player and you got all over us for him. So we took deeper dives in and now as a four win player, we're giving him a lot of respect. We haven't included the Cubs in a lot of these shortstop predictions profiles because of that. We believe that at 25 years old, Nico Horner is the shortstop of the future for the Chicago Cubs. But now, now that we have given him his flowers, Chicago Cubs fans, are incredibly upset that uh, we have on, not included Carlos TikTok. Correa. All yes, on TikTok, on TikTok, but it's also on YouTube too. It's just around the social atmosphere, and I've also seen it beyond just the content that we've put out. When other people are doing free agent predictions, yeah. Cubs fans are coming in and being like, "Where are we? Where are we? Where are we?" <laughs> so, what do you want from us? This is my question to Cubs fans: If you can send me a DM on Twitter. Arm, send a DM to just post, tag us. What do you want from us? Do you want us to praise Nico Horner? Do you want us to put him at shortstop after 11 defensive runs saved, after 13 outs above average, after a four-win season? The kid's hitting 281. He's got a 106 WRC+. plus. We like him, so we're not giving you a 10-year deal for a shortstop. All right. Now let's now let's move on to outfield. Yeah, the, the one thing I want to add, and we'll get into this when we do our, you know, off-season outlooks for every team and, and, you know, the playing GM series that we did last year. But the one thing with the Cubs is I, I do believe that they're going to be in on the, on the shortstop market. And I think that's why Cubs fans are very excited because they hear the rumblings of the team being in on the shortstop market. I get that. But at a certain point when the, the price gets way too high, you're going to have that voice in the back of your head that's, hey, like, hey, we already have a four-win shortstop who was 24 years old at the start of last season. And legitimately he's going to continue to build on that. I think he's only going to get better. And I know the Cubs are going to spend. I want them to spend, but if you could spend in some other spots, why go all in on shortstop? I think a lot of the reason why is Cubs fans feel good about the future of their outfield. They feel good about the future of some of their other spots. And they say, okay, let's move Horner to second where he'll be probably one of the best defenders in baseball at that spot and go pay for a shortstop. But 
I just don't see if that I don't see it. I don't get it, uh, but we'll see. And I understand Cubs fans being excited about the prospect of paying for somebody after the depletion of their roster the last few years and a lot of their stars kind of leaving and heading out of town. So I get it from that perspective. We're You're being nice. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. You're, You're being done. nice. No, no. They're pissing me off. Cubs fans okay. They're pissing me off. Leave my guy, Peter, alone <laughs> and uh, just tell him what you want. There we go. So we'll move on to the actual outfielders. And by the time this podcast is out, we will have the article of the top 10 outfielders in free agency up on justbaseball.com. That's linked in the podcast description, but also we have top 20 free agents that you can go check out at justbaseball.com as well. And then we're going to continue to churn out the top players by position. We're going to focus on five for just time's sake and for this episode. And also because it dips off a little bit after five, there's enough for reading purpose, but podcast purpose. Yeah, like, might are, well. are we going to do, are we going to do 20 minutes on Kevin Kiermaier? No, absolutely not. <laughs> he barely played 20 minutes this year. Uh, so yeah, no, obviously not. We're, we're going to go quality over quantity for the podcast sake. If you want more, you can go check it out, you know, on the website. Do you want to start with the best or start with number five? How'd you guys do it last episode? Well, we will first, we had the top four. So it was almost like you could rank them in any way you want. That's wanted. the thing with Swanson, Xander Bogarts, um, Carlos Gray, and then Trey Turner. But with outfielders, the prize of the outfielders is, of course, Aaron Judge, who is set to make about a billion dollars. But Brandon Nimmo is a very good player. And then there are some solid players. I think the most interesting guy to start with is Michael Conforto. Yeah. Because Michael Conforto didn't end up playing last season, and you're currently writing, again, the top 10 outfielders. So I'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts are mm-hmm. on Michael Conforto. Currently, similar to last episode, we'll do kind of those top five landing spots. Then both of us will give our final prediction. In this episode, you will hear Michael Conforto. You'll hear about Jock Peterson. You'll hear about Brandon Nimmo. You'll hear about Andrew Benatendi. And then we'll end it with Aaron with that Judge. other guy. Yeah, that other yeah, dude, that other that other huge monster. Yeah. So the, the thing with Conforto that's really interesting is he's a really good player that we seem to have forgotten about because he's just hasn't been on the field. Right. I mean, we thought he might sign by the deadline last year, ultimately didn't sign. Uh, obviously wasn't right, wasn't healthy. Here's the thing with Conforto is he's a very good player, very consistent. And he's also a Scott Boris guy. So what makes this interesting is I think we're going to see a very creative contract here. And Boris spoke about it a little bit to Joel Sherman in the New York Post, talking about a potential Rodon-esque deal. The average annual value wouldn't be as much, but it would be you know a two-year deal. But if he performs, he could maybe opt out of the second year and hit free agency. It makes sense because him and Rodon are in similar but different situations going into this year. And Let's be real. Would you be surprised if Conforto comes back next year and hits 285 with 20, 20 to 25 homers and has a really good year? Of course not, right? Because that's what he's done in the past and he's still in his prime age-wise. So I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for Conforto because it's a buy-low opportunity. You can go with a two-year deal that seems to be on the table. He's not trying to go all in on a five because I think Conforto wants to have the opportunity to go get that bigger deal in free agency. And if you're a team that you know is already pretty competitive, looking to add one or two more bats, this is probably the low-cost, high-upside type of option here. I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for Michael Conforto. And one of the suitors I um, initially thought about, and this team has been in a lot of outfield discussions because they've decided to play first baseman in their corners. Um, And that's the Chicago White Sox with guys like Gavin Sheets in right field and Andrew Vaughn in left field. 
Michael Conforto isn't the best defender, but he's surely an upgrade over those guys in the outfield. And then you can move those guys, especially around, especially because Jose Abreu is about to be a free agent too. When we talk first baseman, he's going to be one of the guys that we mentioned. So possibly moving one of those guys back to first opens up the outfield. And especially because Luis Robert, you know, he's obviously a great center fielder and he has it locked down, but he's a guy who's fallen hard to injuries occasionally, not as much last year, but definitely in his career, that's kind of been one of his crutches. So I would say one of the teams I'm definitely looking at is the Chicago White Sox, but there are more teams that we should talk about. And you probably have another one and I have yeah. more too. So White Sox are probably one of my favorites because, you know, you look at an opportunity here to please, for the love of God, get Andrew Vaughn back to first base. Uh, so we don't need to see him running around in the outfield anymore and you know, risking injury and also just being a liability out there. But I know that the White Sox have had a lot of injury issues last year and Conforto's coming off of an injury, but it just seems like it makes too much sense. And I think they're going to be able to spend some money as well. And that regard. And, and that seems like a great fit. I also really like the Giants as a fit. And we're going to talk about Jock Peterson. I still think there's a good chance that the Giants try to retain Jock because it, they seem to really like him there. And, and what's not to like with what he did on the field this past year. But let's say Jock, you know, ends up going somewhere else, ends up wanting to play elsewhere. I, I think Conforto's a great fit for the Giants. They just did that Rodon type deal with Rodon. So why not do it again with somebody like Michael Conforto and, and reap the benefits again? Uh, that's one that I think could be a really interesting landing spot. And we know the giants are going to be busy. I think they're going to be one of the busiest teams this off season. Uh, but one other fit is the Rays, And this is an opportunity for the Rays who don't like to give out long-term deals to go high upside, protect themselves in terms of their long-term financial obligations and they need an outfielder. Let's be honest. They need outfield help and they need guys that are bat to ball oriented. I'd say Conforto isn't, you know, a hit first guy totally. But when it comes to strikeout rates, I think he would lower their overall team K rate and gives a little bit more consistency on the offensive side of things. I think Conforto would be a great fit over there as well. One more. Actually, I mean, I have I have two more and I'm sure you might have others, too. Um, the Twins, I think, could really use a corner outfielder. Um, you know, they have Alex Kirloff. They have Max Kepler, two guys who have been injured more often than not. And then it's headlined by the ultimate injury. And if he could stay on the field in center field, he'd be the best player ever to play this game. But he <laughs> just can't stay on the field. And of course, I'm being hyperbolic when I say that Byron Buxton could be the best player of all time. But we know what the talent is. But the moral of the story is stay on the field, Minnesota Twins. And I know that we've said it before and we're going to keep saying it with a couple of these guys is that Michael Cavoro is coming off that injury, but with the entire offseason to rest, when you look at Michael Conforto, and if we're talking about like injury concerns, remember in 2018 and 2019, he played 150 plus games. Yeah. Then in 2020, in that shortened season, he missed six. 2021, he still played 125 games. So this is not a guy who has historic, historic injury problems. Mm -hmm. It was just last year and then never really got picked up. Yeah. So I'm looking at a team like the Twins. The only issue I see with the Twins is that they need righties. In their lineup, yeah. they have a lot of lefties, so Michael Conforto may not match that well, but the Twins are someone to look out for of, of a team who's definitely going to add bats. And what I found most in interesting about the Twins, too, is we know the Twins are right there. They're built on the home run, or at least historically they have been that season where they challenged the Yankees and had the most home runs in all of baseball. This season, they finished 13th in home runs. This was not the same 
offensive team that we're used to seeing in Minnesota. And I think that Michael Conforto could be a great pickup for him. Absolutely. I got one more spot too, because this is one that I don't think would surprise really anybody. And and I think with the short term aspect of it, it's exactly what the Atlanta Braves might want here. They need outfield help. Rosario obviously, you know, was a disappointment and was dealing with the eye issue. Marcelo Zuna was a disaster. Uh, they, they're bomb. trying they were playing Wilson Contreras or not Wilson, excuse me, William Contreras out there um, at times. Now he looks like he could be getting more reps behind the dish, but I think outfield wise, they need help and left. They have Justin Henry Malloy, who is a prospect I really like, but I think if you go into the year banking on him being a factor at some point, you're probably going to set yourself up for not being the Atlanta Braves that we expect them to be. If you have somebody like Conforto on that one year potential opt out or vest into a two year deal, you don't block anybody, but you also have that short term short term fix to help you really push all the chips forward and, and compete with, you know, the rest of the NL East, which is going to be tough. And he has the familiarity with the NL East, too. So that's something that I think couldn't hurt. I think the Braves could be a really good dark horse here to pick up Conforto. Do you think if the Braves bring back Dansby, the need for an outfielder diminishes with Von Grissom possibly playing some left? Or do you think that even if they sign Dansby, that still they'll still need to go get out left outfielder? Because I no, mean, now I, they have Michael Harrison Acuna. So they really only have one spot available and they might want to just play Von Grissom if they resign Dansby. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just talking about this the other day um, on Atlanta Braves radio and um I, I do have a weird feeling that Von Grisham could be dangled in trade talks because I don't know where he totally fits in. They don't love him at short in terms of the defense. I think he could play left and be a good left fielder, but that'd be a little bit of an experiment. Um, kind of diminishes I, his value too, right? Yeah. He's like an athletic and he's brought up as an infielder and then you kind of put him in a corner. Kind you don't know of diminishes how it's going to go. Bat. You don't know how it's going to go. And, and I like the bat, but it's an interesting spot for them. So I could see them going with the vet, you know, what they trust there and, and balancing things out a little bit. And that's one of my dark horse favorites to pick up Conforto there. Uh, but any other thoughts on, on Michael Conforto before we move on to the next guy? Yeah, no, we, we got to give our predictions too. And so I think the Astros are kind of a dark horse too. Now with uh, Michael Brantley leaving, you know, they have Chaz McCormick and of course they have Jordan, but I'm sure they'd probably want to slot Jordan in more of the DH role because of Trey Mancini is going to be um, a free agent. And I think they'd be kind of lacking in the DH department and who better to slot into your DH than the best DH in the entire sport and Jordan mm -hmm. Alvarez, at least offensively. Um, so I could see them making a move in left. Um, but Conforto's played a lot of right field. I don't know if Conforto's necessarily a fit. We're going to mention the Astros later, but just wanted to mention them as a team that would need them. So, Aram, where's Michael Conforto going? I'm going to go final prediction. I say Atlanta Braves. I think they surprise mm -hmm. people and they go get them. And affordability-wise, it makes sense. I think they're they're willing to spend a little bit of money with the core that they have already locked up. I'm going to say Atlanta Braves on a two-year $32 million deal with, with the similar options to Rodon. See, I was thinking a two-year $34 million deal to the Chicago White Sox. I've I've always felt that the White Sox were going to add that outfield piece. I've seen Conforto connected to the White Sox initially, kind of when he was supposed to be a free agent. I know that they wanted him. I think they'll eventually work out something because I'm still on the fence about them re-signing Jose Abreu, even though they should. I'm still on the fence about that because I know that they have these problems in the outfield with all these first basemen, basically, that they could easily slot in. 
I think Conforto would be a good cheap option for them on a bounce back. So give me Michael Conforto, two years, 34 to the Chicago White Sox. Those those are my two favorite spots. So we're, we're on the same wavelength there. And man, I would like to see him go to either of those teams, but the White Sox, I just love to see them fill out that outfield properly because we know how good that team can be. And I know Jack wants Conforto over there. We were talking about that the other day. So let's go to the next guy. It's Andrew Benintendi, who you saw on the Yanks a little bit, unfortunately got hurt. We didn't really get to see the full time, you know, experience of him trying to help the Yankees in their playoff push, but he really put it together this season overall. Uh, He has really found his footing again with the Royals and has earned himself potentially a pretty nice payday as we go into this off season. It's going to be a lot of the similar suitors for Benintendi who had a very balanced year, hit over 300, Uh, obviously not going to be much in the power department, but he's a competent defender and, uh, is a nice taste breaker of consistent contact and not a lot of strikeouts as a left-handed stick. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams interested in Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. And there will be, um, I'm kind of confused about what he's going to make. <laughs> That's I think, I think it's very easy to find spots for Andrew Benatendi, but what is he valued in this market? Right? Because he had an incredible first half. The guy had 320. And then he comes over in the second half. He not as good batting average definitely drops. And when I was looking at Andrew Penintendi, when we were talking about him, you know, in over the trade deadline, I wasn't very excited to get him as a Yankee fan. I'll be completely honest with you. The batted ball data didn't look that great. He wasn't the same defender. He doesn't add a ton of speed on the base pass. So what you were looking at was a bat to ball guy who doesn't hit the ball all that hard, doesn't hit the ball in the air all that much, but was having a lot of seeing eye singles. And now is Andrew Benatendi probably a better player than I'm leading on? Yeah, he he might be. Maybe I'm a, maybe I was a little bit too upset. But for example, um, Sam Lucchini, shout out Sam, wrote a great article on JustBaseball.com about Andrew Benatendi, and he. He gave him a four-year, $70 million contract, which to me kind of feels like a lot. Yeah. Before we get into some of the teams, I'd love to hear your your opinion on what you think Benatendi will get in the open market. If I were Andrew Benatendi's agent, I would be pointing straight to Avi Garcia's contract and saying, why on God's green earth is my client not getting this? Um, you know, I, realistically, I think something in the 50 to $60 million range is, is, is fair. And and that's where I think 70 is a little steep. I'm with you. I think it's going to be something around four years, 60 million. And I I think that's a great, you know, fair price that Benatendi will be happy about. And also I think a team, you're not going to get burned on a deal like that, right? It's not going to be like Avi Garcia, where there's a legitimate chance he is incompetent. And, you know, I I know that Benatendi had that little stretch with the Red Sox, but I don't think he ever goes back there. I think at the very least, you're getting a 275, 280 hitter, mid 700s OPS, not the sexiest thing in the world, but you're not going to be like, holy crap, how do we get rid of this contract? So I could see four years, 55 to 60 million. Okay. All right. Let's get into some of the suitors. Um, I think really the number one suitor is the New York Yankees because um, you have Harrison Bader in center field. We're going to talk about Aaron Judge, so I'm not going to say anything, but let's just assume that he's back. If he's yeah. not back, 
I think Andrew Benatendi is definitely going back to the Yankees. But let's just assume that Aaron Judge is back when we talk about Andrew Benatendi. Um, Aaron Hicks has just not proved that he's an everyday guy. Um, I think they want to use Oswaldo Cabrera more as like a utility guy, give some guys some day off, and then you could really put Stanton as your DH moving forward. Um, but you could also put him in left a little bit. You can move Ben Attendee maybe to a corner. I don't know. But I'm I'm thinking more Ben Attendee is the left fielder, um, at least at this point. Um, Estevan Floriel has not really proven that he's an everyday guy. I think that he will be in plenty of trade talks for the Yankees. Um, so they technically do have a hole in left field. And um, Ben Attendee has been familiar there. He played okay with the Yankees, but of course he went down with that injury and wasn't yeah. able to. But the Yankees need that left-handed bat. They need the bat-to-ball first guy. And yep. he does make a lot of sense in New York. I, when I talked about it in the intro here, talk about the taste breaker, right? Somebody that in a lineup full of mashers, swing and miss guys, he's a perfect fit to balance things out. I mean, Andrew Benatendi, if he's either at the top or the bottom of your order, depending on how you want to structure it, it's kind of the perfect guy for the Yankees to help set the table. He got on base at a 373 clip this year, man. And yeah. again, I know the power is not going to totally be there. I'll say I'll probably sneak some out, pull side, you know, in right field at Yankee Stadium. But overall, getting on base, Acting as that protection for the sluggers by by getting on base and also just being able to put the ball in play consistently, something that the Yankees could definitely use. I think he's an excellent fit there. They have that familiarity with him, uh, having just been part of the organization down the stretch. I think that's a guy that they were they traded for for the purpose of getting an idea of who he is, how he fits before free agency, knowing that they were going to be interested in him regardless. And the trade package wasn't much to give up. I, I think the Yankees are are the best fit for him. I'll mention one other team, though, in the AL East as well as the Rays. Again, because the Rays, I don't know if they go four years, 50-something million, although they did do a, you know, a pricey deal for Kevin Kiermaier. Didn't age incredibly well, but when they like an outfielder, they'll go do it. And the Rays struck out a lot. And this is another team that could really use the consistency of Ben Attendee. I could see that being a great fit for him as well. I agree. And I think there's I think there's plenty of teams that we've already mentioned before. Um, so we don't have to explain a ton why these teams make a lot of sense. Um, but the White Sox, of course, they yep. need this corner outfielder. I think if they don't get a Michael Conforto, what's stopping them from getting an Andrew Benatendi? I think the Astros, another team, again, needed a left fielder, especially. And that's where Andrew Benatendi plays most. Um, so between the Yankees, the Rays, the Astros, the White Sox, Again, I'm, you could include the Twins, but they really need right-handed bats. Um, so I guess that could be a fifth. Is there anyone else that you're thinking? I mean, the Braves could still be yeah. very well in the It's a lot form. of those same same candidates, right? Anyone that's going to be interested in Conforto is probably going to be pretty interested in Andrew Benatendi, though uh, Conforto admittedly has a lot more upside and, and could give you a lot more on your investment. I think it's pretty much the same group there. And maybe Diets. a dark horse here and there, but... That that seems to be the 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 best fit are are those same teams that are interested in Conforto. So what's what's your final prediction? I think Andrew Benatendi signs a four year, sixty million dollar deal with the New York Yankees. I think that the Yankees liked what they saw from Benatendi. I think they liked the left handed bat. They liked the taste breaker aspect of Benatendi. And they'll bring him back for a moderately affordable contract 
Remember Andrew Benintendi, if we're looking at his age, this he's still just 28 years old. So you're signing him for about $15 million a year from his age 28 to his age 32 season. Yeah. Seems fair. And I think he likes it in New York. And that seems like the fit for me. Like I said, you're not going to get burned on on that deal if you're the Yankees. And I, I'm with you. I, I'm going to say four years, 55 million to the Yankees. And I, I think the Yankees are also really encouraged by a lot of the, if you look at a lot of the data on what he did this year, that kind of validates the breakout a little bit, or at least the the resurgence, I would say breakout though, because it was his best offensive season really. Uh, but we saw his chase rates drop by 5%. We saw his zone contact rates rise by about 4%. Those are things that usually point towards sustainable success. His overall approach improved. He, he really just had this, this moment of, of realizing who he needs to be as a hitter, not trying to be that power guy and leaning into his strengths. And I think that's exactly what the Yankees aren't going to encourage him to do. We saw them re-sign, you know, in the past, a guy that they traded for on an expiring deal in Anthony Rizzo. And I think this is going to be the latest example of a guy that fits into the clubhouse, fits into what they're doing, and they ultimately decide to re-sign him. So I agree. I, I say four for 55. I like it. Let's talk about Jock Peterson. Jock. Jock Peterson. Where is he going? Let's talk. So Jock is an interesting one, right? Because he's somebody that, you look at what he has done year over year. There's a lot on the, can he hit the lefties? There's a lot of just how consistent is he going to be? He's shown flashes of being that dude with 36 pumps in 2019. Then we saw him really inconsistent and hit 190 in that shortened 2020 season. Then all of a sudden he has a conversation with Barry Bonds and things really click. And it's really hard to, to deny what he did last year, by far his best offensive season of his career, 274, 353, 521 slash line, a 144 WRC plus 23 home runs. This guy's going to be a popular target, man. He's going to be a very, very popular target. I, I couldn't believe how much he put it together this year. And he looks like a much more complete hitter than he ever really was before. Do you think Jock Peterson will sign a similar contract to an Andrew Benatendi? He's two years older. But if we're looking at offensive numbers, he rakes. And it's not like his defense is is so bad that you think to yourself, well, we can't play him in left. It's not that bad at all. I mean, it. I think it's better than Kyle Schwarber. I think okay, it's oh, better sure. than Nick Castellanos. Yep. And if we're looking at offensive numbers, they were just as good as guys like that. Maybe not quite to the level of Schwarber's power, maybe not quite to the level of Castellanos' bat-to-ball, but it was in that same kind of ballpark. Like, he could be one of the free agents that we see that gets more money than a lot of people think. Like, if we're talking about hard hit rates, quality of contact, when we're looking at a style like X Woba, all of those things, they're through the roof. Yep. They were there's in the 90th, 95th percentile of some of these things. So to your point about talking about Barry Bonds, if he's figured something out, I'm more than comfortable giving him a four-year deal or five-year deal worth 15 to 20 million per. I don't think that's that outrageous to you. No, not at all. I, I I am very sold on on what we saw this past year. Something really clicked for him. Uh, Approach-wise, just he overall swing-wise, everything. I mean, you look at the production, but but the back-end stuff, I mean, just the underlying numbers really seem to, to back that up, too. You look at, at what he's been able to do zone contact-wise, highest zone contact of his career, lowest chase rates of his career overall. 
he's hitting the ball as hard as ever. He even, I mean, for the most part, they sheltered him from lefties, but when he did have to face lefties, then he only had like 50 plate appearances, but he did have that like a 750 OPS against lefties. That's one thing I, I am curious is, you know, are you still going to shelter him if you're giving a player that kind of deal? But at the end of the day, we've seen guys that get sheltered from lefties, get those kinds of deals. So I think he's going to get a four-year deal. He hasn't gotten paid yet, really. The most he's made in a single season is $6 million. So this is an opportunity for him to get his bag, and he earned it. He absolutely earned it, and I bet he's going to hold out until he gets that multi-year offer, and I think he's going to get it from a few different teams. I agree, and a couple of teams that um, we haven't talked about yet that I want to include for Jock Peterson, and it's because these, these teams need outfielders, but I don't think the reason that we mentioned them yet is because – these teams that we're about to mention need power in the outfield. And one of those teams starts with the Cleveland Guardians. They're not my favorite, but I really want to mention them because now they, of course, they have Stephen Kwan in the outfield. They have Oscar Gonzalez in the outfield and they have Miles Straw in the outfield. Number one, Miles Straw can't hit. If they want him to play center field, okay, but it is a hole in the lineup at that point. I don't know how much they like Oscar Gonzalez. I know that they like him and I know that he is a solid player, but is he in their long-term plans? I, I don't know. He might be, but they also could use uh, Jock Peterson at DH a ton too. You know, you have um, you have Josh Naylor at first baseman, maybe move him. I wonder if Jock Peterson could play a little bit of first base too. Jock Peterson just adds a ton of thump in that lineup for the Cleveland Guardians. And he's, the Guardians are not my favorite to sign him, but I like that fit. You know what I'm saying? I don't hate it because I also think he's going to see some time at DH. And he played 14 games at DH last year. I think he's going to get more action there. Like you said, he can get by in the outfield, but ultimately you're probably going to DH him a decent amount of the time as well. And if you're sheltering him from lefties, those are going to be games where Oscar Gonzalez undoubtedly gets the start, you know, and then exactly. you can slide around the outfield, make adjustments here and there and and get Oscar Gonzalez consistent at bats while you know still being able to, to go to somebody like a Jock Peterson. Yes, they have George Valera coming up. Yes, they have some other outfield prospects. And that that's the question. Uh, you know, they also have Will Brennan. They also have uh, Benson as well, who, who's got big time power from the left side. So it's more of a question of how much do they believe in those prospects and if they really don't know if they're going to be those like Jock Peterson level of, of producers, then maybe we could see it. I know that I do think they're going to sneakily spend. I don't know if it's on Jock. I do think they're going to make some, some quiet additions as they secured a little bit more investment this year, as they locked up a couple of their guys uh, that are a big part of their success for affordable, you know, pre-arb deals. So that's not a bad option. I ultimately think he sticks with the giants because the giants, we know that they do not take losing well. Uh, this is a franchise that was a dynasty, you know, in the in the twenty early twenty tens. A franchise that has just continuously put up some of the best attendance numbers. Just is is really run well and, and is always competitive. And if they're not, they get back quickly. We are going to talk about Aaron Judge and and how they've been tied to him and how they have interest in him. And they always seem to have the interest in making the big splash. Don't always pull the trigger. That said. I don't think you can let Jock Peterson walk because if you're going to make a big splash, this team wasn't good this year at all. Uh, there were some things that worked against them and I think they can naturally be better, but losing Jock would be a huge blow to this team as they're trying to add. I think they try to find a way to keep Jock and for, you know, around the same price as Ben attendee. I think it's a no brainer for the giants to do it. I agree. Another team that I really want to mention for Jock Peterson is because he's been there. Um, if we're talking about been there with the giants, he's been there with the Braves and the Braves, you know, he had a lot of success there in Atlanta, and I could see them trying to have a reunion there um, because Eddie Rosario, like you said, is not that guy. And when I look at the Braves lineup, a lot of righties, right? 
William Contreras. Matt Olson is that lefty. Ozzy Albies is that switch. But if they re-sign Dansby, that's a righty. Austin Riley, a righty. Ronald Acuna Jr., a righty. So then they have Michael Harrison. Then you add a guy like Jock Peterson, take Marcelo Zuna's fucking dumbass out of the lineup. I like the Jock Peterson fit there in Atlanta. Not only, like I said, has he been there, but he adds that lefty power bat that I think the Braves could could use as they bolster their offense um, in the offseason. I, I love it. That's probably my my other favorite fit. If it's not the Giants, that's my favorite fit, especially because, I mean, he was such a fan favorite there in that World Series run. Fans will love that. I, I'm sure he has fond memories of Atlanta. I think it's going to be between Atlanta or returning to San Francisco personally. Of course, San Francisco is where things clicked for him on another level, and he had this career year. And then you look at Atlanta. This is where he he helped Iran and win the World Series. It seems like two really good spots for him to sign his first long-term deal. And before we give our final predictions, another team that I want to mention, kind of similar to the Guardians, but not one of my favorite destinations, but a team that I feel like is a good fit and could use him is the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Because if we're looking at a team that needs power, that's the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I know Harold Ramirez had a great year over there at first base, DH, G-Man Choi, those kind of guys, but... I don't know if they're in the Rays' long-term plans. And I know that the Rays have some talented outfield prospects coming up, um, like a Josh Lowe and, and and guys like that. But the Rays need power, man. And Jock Peterson has been to the World Series, it seems like, almost every single year. Provides that leadership championship mentality that I think the Rays could really use. And the Rays are pretty analytically driven, of course. And I think they're going to see a lot of Jock's numbers and think to themselves, we could steal a bat that we view as one of the premier power bats by the numbers. Now, is he? I don't know. But they might view him as that, and they could be in the mix. Um, Because, you know, the Rays are not normally known for spending, but... They were in the Freddie Freeman. That's what I'm saying. Uh, sweepstakes, like they're. I think they're they're ready to compete, and they see an AL East where they need to spend. We know that John Henry just sold the Red or sold the Red Sox, sold Liverpool to put more money. I guess we're hoping into the Red Sox. The Blue Jays are always going to be there and competitive. Of course, the Yankees and now the Orioles are becoming just this young and exciting team that could be a juggernaut in a few years. I think the Rays to make some of these moves makes sense. Again, not going to be my prediction, but I just think it makes makes a lot of sense i mean they need some established offense i love the prospects that they're going to bring up this year i I like a lot of the guys that they're going to that they're going to potentially give looks at aranda just to name one of them at curtis mead another uh two guys that i think will be a big part of what they're doing those are infielders or you're really stretching them uh, to try to put them in the outfield that's what i'm saying they don't really have they don't really have that many established outfield guys and and most of them are you know like margot is more of that club first center fielder uh arosa reina is is pretty much their their only guy in that regard and uh, they Jose could use Siri, the left-handed pop. Oh, sorry, Jose Siri. Jose Siri. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's another glove for a center fielder. So if he hits, though, get another bat, a guy that you can you know oscillate between outfield DH. I I don't hate that at all. And they got to keep up with the rest of that AL East. My final prediction though is going to be the San Francisco Giants, and I think they go four years, sixty-five million for Jock Peterson. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, my final prediction, I think is going to be four years, $65 million over to the San Francisco Giants. I just don't think they're going to let him go. And I know the Giants are in on Aaron Judge, meaning they are very focused on getting a big power bat outfielder. And I think we'll talk about Aaron Judge later, 
but I think the next best option really for them, because, you know, they could go for center fielder like Brandon Nimmo, but I think they're going for some pop. That's what they need in their lineup. At least they still have Mikey Shremsky in center field. Um, and especially at DH right now, like their DH on Fangraphs Russell Resource is Tommy LaStella. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's going to be your DH. Jock Peterson just makes sense there. He had this great offensive season. They have money to spend. Jock Peterson to the Giants feels perfect. Yep. Keep him. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's was one of your bright spots this season. And and I think that they're going to keep rolling with that. Brandon Nimmo time. Brandon Nimmo time. Now we're getting to the, to the blue chip guys. I mean, although Jock is, is right teetering on the edge of blue chip with what he did last year, but Brandon Nimmo is on a different level, right? I mean, Brandon Nimmo really put it together defensively which was cool to see because he was a tough read, right? Like he's a guy that like, okay, is he a good defender in center? He's wishy-washy. And then really just had a fantastic year out there. Also had to hit the second most home runs of his career. Most since 2018 with 16 of them. Lowest strikeout rate of his career. Really just had a, his best all around season. 5.4 F4, 134 WRC plus and 151 games. He walks a lot. You know that it's not a walk for him. It's a sprint to first regardless, but doesn't strike out. Puts the ball in play, sneaky power, good defender in center. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in Brandon Nimmo. And I'm very fascinated to see how the Mets handle this one. So our guy, Ryan Fickelstein, wrote a great article, managing editor over at Just Baseball. But this was his first article, and maybe he's written, written others, where I felt a little bit of bias coming out. And Ryan, I hope you're listening. He compared Brandon Nimmo to like a George Springer when he signed that six year, $150 million contract. And at first I thought that it was like, uh, it's kind of a lot. And he also wrote in the article. There's no question about his durability moving forward. But then he kind of talked about Nimmo's injury concerns, which are real. And he just so happened to have an injury free season, basically this season as he enters contract negotiations as a free agent. And Nimmo is not a spring chicken. Like he's older then um, Andrew Benatendi and his birthday is actually on March 27th. So I think he's going to be 30 years old by the time this new season starts. Is Brandon Nimmo worthy of a six-year, $150 million contract? I think that Brandon Nimmo signs the deal closer to a Castellanos or a Schwarber in that five-year, $100 million range. Um, so there was a lot of good landing spots. This was the part where from Fink's article that uh, I thought he nailed. And o- overall, the, a lot of the analysis is great. I just think Brandon Immo is a very, very solid player. But is he a franchise player like you would be paying for that type of money? For me, what I see Brandon Immo as is around five years, $100 million, And it's just about finding the right fit for the best center fielder on the market, which could make the price a little bit higher than it would in recent years. But still, a guy who's dealt with injuries before is a very solid player. I wouldn't call him a great player. I don't know. Where do you land? It's tough, man. When these guys have that contract year that just is their best season, it's always tough. But we do have 2018 to refer back to where Nimmo kind of gave us this, right? He gave us this version. Or 2018. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Right? It is. I mean, that's four years ago. And then duplicates it, though, in 2022. So 
I'll say this. I, I think Nimmo is a four win player for the next four years. I really I think that's do. fair. I, I think that's what he's going to be. Is he going to be a 5.4 win player? Probably not. I think he's going to settle in around 3.8 to 4.6 F4 in that range over the next several years. And being healthy is going to be a bit, a big point of that. And, and let's be real before last year, only one season of a hundred games, but so yeah, I know it's unfortunate. 2020 was short and he did play 50 to 60 games there, but 92 games in 2021, 69 games in 2019, 69 games in 2017. He might've got called up late that year. I, I don't remember, but regardless injuries have been a part of it. And I don't know if I'm giving Nimmo that sixth year. I don't know. And I love Brandon Nimmo as a player and there's so much value to getting on base. I could see the Rockies being crazy enough to give Nimmo that, that sixth year because and that's who, you know, Ryan Finkelstein. I will give credit to Ryan on this one too. Ryan yeah, he called it. He called it, said, I see him going to the Rockies, which he's from that area, Nemo is. Close enough. Um Wyoming. Be, he's a Wyoming it, guy. Yeah, but it, it, you know, that's I think that's the closest big league. Is is it? I'm not good at geography, I, but I think it is. Yeah, Wyoming, it, it's pretty close to Colorado if we're looking at other teams like um, yeah, that part of the country. It's, yeah. it's Rockies. Yeah. And and I like, here's the thing with it too, is is he mentioned it. And then the report came out two days later, which, which was really funny. So credit to, to think on that. Yeah. It's, it seems like a Rockies move. And we looked at Chris Bryant, right? Like none of us wanted to give Chris Bryant a seventh year. I mean, look how the first year won. he was banged up all year. I still don't yeah. think that deters the, the the Rockies from going to get Nimmo. Nimmo would play really well out there as a, as a gap to gap guy that can sneak in some power. I think he would be great in Colorado. I mean, Colorado would spend the money because they're consistently one of the best draws in baseball, which is really impressive given how weirdly mediocre their teams consistently are. But they got a lot of prospects coming up that are making a, an impact. They've got other guys, young guys that are continuing to get better up there. Nimmo could be a piece for them. I think that's one of the teams that I think is going to make a really good run at him. Uh, but yeah, from from the perspective of the rest of the teams, I wouldn't give him more than five years. I, I don't know what a 36-year-old Brandon Nimmo looks like because the defense and center is a, is a big selling point. If he goes to a corner and not he's not really going to slug more than 430 for you, 440 for you, that's below average in the power department for a corner outfielder. He better be a really good defender, which I think he would be as he ages, but the, the value is, is definitely knocked down a little bit if he's in a corner in the last couple of years of the deal. Yeah. Same thing with Nimmo too. Like if we're just looking at like stolen bases, like he's not, he's not a high stolen base guy either. So it's not like, you know, and which kind of brings me to my next point about how the Mets could still definitely bring him back. You know, they have Mark Canna, they have Starling Marte, um, they have outfielders there, but they're kind of missing a center fielder, yeah. right? And who's the best center fielder on the market who's been playing with the New York Mets this amount of time? It's Brandon Nimmo. And I, I'm just curious, too, because what if the Mets... They say, all right, Nimmo, we're going to give you five years for 100. And the Rockies say, we're going to give you six for 120. Do you think with Steve Cohen's pockets, he's not going to come back and say, well, we don't have a center fielder. Nimmo is a fan favorite. He has been good for us that they wouldn't say, all right, Nimmo, we'll give you six for 120. And he re-signs with the New York Mets. That's the thing, right? Because if they don't do that, what's their contingency plan in center? Marte does not play center anymore, really. Um, and and now a year older, you're going to you're gonna put him out there consistently. I, I don't see that happening so and canna is just kind of stretched thin out there and at this point of his career too he's a left fielder what what would they do in center field i i think steve cohen would say screw it let's let's meet the asking price so i i think he's going to stay what's interesting is how they wasted no time with edwin diaz and i think nimmo is going to test the market a little bit more 
And we'll see, I think he, because he knows that and wants to drive the price up and see, you know, how willing Cohen is to go all the way up there. I'm just trying to think of what, what the alternative plan is for the Mets. If they don't bring back Nimmo, I mean, they're, they're going to most likely get worse in center field. I don't think they're going to trade much. Alvarez is untouchable. They could maybe trade Vientos. They're not going to trade Beatty. I don't know how they get really a center fielder otherwise, unless they put together a trade package, which is possible, but I ultimately think the Mets find a way to to hold on to Nemo. And, and there's a lot of teams that I think will be interested in him. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's many teams that could justify $100 million for a Brandon Nemo. That's what I'm saying. Like, for me, it's really between the Rockies and the Mets here. Yep. Um, but I think an, an, a couple other teams that are worthy enough to talk about um, like the White Sox, I guess the Giants kind of like, I don't know if they want to upgrade with Brandon Nimmo over Mike Yastrzemski. Um, but I think those two, those two teams are in the mix again. He, he mentioned the White Sox and he talked about Luis Robert. Um, but I just think they're going to stick with Robert. I think if the White Sox are going to add an outfielder, it's definitely going to be in a corner. What other teams do you feel are in need of a center fielder? I was thinking that the angels, could possibly be involved if they were thinking about moving Trout over to left to alleviate some of the injury concerns. You know, he's not running over the field as much. You stick him in a corner. And then, of course, the, um, you have some other guys there with Taylor Ward in right field. Um, maybe the Angels could be a possible option, but I don't see it a ton. Is there anybody else that comes to mind for you? The Cubs. I think the Chicago Cubs, they, they need a center fielder. I, and I, I found it interesting that the focus has been on on shortstop when you could argue that they, they need help in center field. Yeah, you're hoping Pete Crow Armstrong is going to get up there. You're hoping Brennan Davis is going to be a factor, but he's dealing you know, with that back issue. Came back. He's He's been working back from that. But, you know, we'll see. Pete Crow Armstrong still a year at least away. I, I could see that being an option. And again, as he ages, you can move him to a corner and have PCA in center or have Brennan Davis in center or, you know, bring Brennan up and put him in left. Ultimately, Ian Happ's probably going to hit free agency after this year and they'll have that opening in the corner. I, I don't hate the Cubs as an option, a team that clearly is looking to spend, but doesn't have to spend 250, 300 million for a shortstop can spend a hundred million, get that outfielder helps you in the short term right away in center field. And if you ultimately, you know, want to get your other guys, your younger guys, more opportunity in center, Move Nemo to a corner. That's perfectly fine. Um, I, I think I the say, Cubs could be a good dark horse. I think the Cubs are a great pick, and I think the Cubs will definitely be in on it. And imagine if they got a four-win player in Brandon Nemo. That would be an amazing addition, right? Well, you got one in Nico Horner. That's what we're talking about here at Shortstop People. How good is Brandon Nemo? Might sign a six-year, $120 million deal at age 30. You got 25-year-old Nico Horner putting up a four-win season at Shortstop. Come on. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. That's how good of a player we think Nico Horner is. We spoke with your left-handed pitcher, Justin Seal, calling the most underrated player. All right, I'm done talking about the Cubs in terms of that anymore. But I think you make a really good point about the Cubs for him in center, Nimmo in center. But what about Christopher Morrell? Where do you see him stacking up? Because like they don't really have an option at DH either. I mean, they have like Rafael Ortega. I guess you could put wisdom there. Um, but Matt Mervis is definitely, I mean, I say definitely, we never know, but it seems like he's going to be slated in for first base and he can definitely play first base next year. He's one of their top prospects. But I am I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Morel because right now he's slated as the opening day center fielder. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's how aggressive do you want to be? So what what are the Cubs looking like in their competitive window here? Because if they want to make a push at being competitive next year, then 
I don't know if you want to try to go through the growing pains of Christopher Morale. I mean, he he really struggled after a hot start. And look, yeah, I know he came up as a third baseman, looked pretty good in center, doesn't really have a definitive position. I think his best out or his best, most suitable kind of role is that super utility guy. And I think he could be kind of like Oswaldo Oswaldo yeah, exactly. with the Yankees, like, like one of those roles. Exactly. And and I think he could be dangled because the Cubs need pitching. They still do. And there's a lot of teams that might be interested in a morale uh, that want to give up some pitching and the Marlins being one of them. And I could think of a few other teams that might have interest. I think if you're really serious about competing, like the, the Cubs continue to make it seem like they are, you got to go get an, a proven center fielder. And what Brandon I will Nimmo say is, is that guy. What I will say is also about Morel is you could just put him at second base. Like if you, if you don't have that much trust in Nick Madrigal, Put him at second base. He played 33 games at second base last year. If we look at where Morrell played, he played 57 in center, 33 at second. So he has plenty of games yeah. played there. Keep Nico Horner at short, then sign Brandon Nimmo in your outfield. That's a very good team. And then if you still want to play Magical, whoever you want to move around the infield, then you can use Morrell as uh, whatever you want. Because they still have Seiya Suzuki in the outfield, who I still like, who I still think is going to be a good player in this league. That is becoming a very good team. So I agree. I think you get Nimmo, put him in center field. You can either dangle a Christopher Morrell or you keep him at second base and then go get pitching using some of your other prospects because you still do have plenty of prospects. Absolutely. I think I think that's the way. I think that's the way to do it. And Morell, they didn't love him at third because his throws are are he's got a rocket for an arm, but he struggles with accuracy. Everything moves and tails and flies all over the place. Uh, it's a nightmare for first baseman. So I, I think Morell at second or outfield is is kind of why we saw him out there. He'd be a phenomenal defensive second baseman as he gets more reps. And could you imagine that middle infield? I mean, that would be a very, very good defensive middle infield. And if Morrell can continue to develop as a hitter, he'd be one of the better power hitting second baseman in the game. If it doesn't work out, you trade him. Uh, I think that's that's a really good option there. I, I think my final prediction is going to be Brandon Nimmo to the Cubs, five years, 110. Wow. So here's my prediction, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when we were talking about this, is I think that there are going to be a lot of five-year deals on the table for Brandon Nemo. And I think someone out there, whether it be the Rockies, whether it be the Cubs, are going to say, we will give you that sixth year. They're going to go back to the Mets and say, we got a six-year. Will you match it? And then the Mets end up matching that six-year deal. I think he signs for six years, $120 million with the New York Mets. But at the same time, if the Mets aren't willing to match that sixth year, let's say he doesn't. Let's say he only gets five-year deals. I could easily see him go to the Rockies, easily see him going to the Cubs. But I'm going to say that Steve Cohen ponies up and says, you know what? We don't have a center field plan. We also don't really have that many center field prospects. Let's give Brendan Immo, the guy who's been with us, the guy who's been good for us the sixth year because he's deserved it. And he ends up going back to New York. I think that's the safest bet. I absolutely think that's the safest bet. I already gave my, uh, my resign with Jock Peterson and I'm going to give my resign with this last guy here. Spoiler alert. Um, so I, I wanted to stray a little bit here on Nimmo and, and, and I, Want to see the Cubs make that splash. And I think that would be the most efficient splash, cheaper than shortstop. And you you add another player there and you let Horner still be that shortstop for you and continue to blossom. And that would make the team a lot more competitive. Go make a trade 
for a pitcher, maybe go sign a pitcher or two as well with the money that you saved instead of going to pay a million or uh, 300 million for a shortstop. Here we are, Peter, the moment you've been dreading and the thing that you will be dreading until the end of the discussions until he signs on the dotted line and we can put this all to bed. It's Aaron judge, the MVP, the, well, to be, uh, the legitimately one of the best seasons we've seen period in baseball and now goes into free agency. I don't need to talk about his numbers. I, I don't really need to go that in depth about what he did. Everybody knows how freaking insane he was this year and how he's going to get a record setting contract in one way or another. He is going to test the market, which he should. Any any human would be, even, even if he, no matter how much he loves New York, and I do really believe he loves New York, of course he's going to test the market. I still think the Yankees have literally no choice. I literally think that the Yankees cannot let this man walk. They can't. I just can't see a world where Yankees fans accept that as an outcome. And a consolation prize of Brandon Nimmo and a bunch of others is not going to freaking cut it. It's Aaron Judge or bust for Yankees fans after a disappointing season, after you bring back Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman, which I'm fine with. But from, from an optics perspective here, the New York Yankees, the Steinbrenner New York Yankees, keep Aaron Judge. And it would be a very, very dark, dark offseason if Aaron Judge is going into next year wearing a different uniform. The biggest question of this offseason is where will Aaron Judge sign? And we're going to tell you. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, Arm. And you tell me if I am. I saw a recent um, interview with Brian Cashman when he was talking to the media. All the GMs are now right now in Vegas. Um, and it's not exactly the winter meetings, but a lot of stuff gets done there. We just saw Edwin Diaz. Usually sign. lays the groundwork for the future negotiations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the media asked him, have you been in contact with Aaron Judge's camp? Brian Cashman gave a small smile and just said no comment. It was kind of like this, no comment. I think they're going to offer him the world. They know exactly what you just said. They have to re-sign Aaron Judge. You just made a lot of Yankee fans upset, warranted or not, about bringing back Aaron Boone when he signed the extension. Like, you know, I think Yankee fans, maybe including myself, are a little bit up in arms about Aaron Boone's decision making in the in the playoffs. And and I think for good reason, I, I think he made a lot of mistakes, but they brought him back and Yankee fans are a little bit upset. They brought back, they're probably going to bring back Brian Cashman. His contract hasn't been signed on the dotted line yet, but he's he's going to come back too. If you don't sign Aaron Judge, you are going to lose fans. You yep. simply are. I don't care if you then replace him with a Jock Peterson and a Brandon Nimmo. I don't care if you make a big splash in a trade. If you lose him, because also the big fish on the free agent market is the shortstops, right? Yep. They're not going to go get a big shortstop. They have IKF for whatever that's worth. And then if you say, all right, put IKF on the freaking moon, you still have Oswald Peraza. You still have Anthony Volpe. You're you not blocking Trey those Sweeney guys. Coming. Yeah, you're not blocking those guys with a Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, who they already could. They had a chance to sign Carlos Correa, and they didn't. I don't think now they're going to pony up and give him an enormous contract. So it's outfielders that they need. And Aaron Judge is the best outfielder maybe on the planet. I mean, he had the best offense, offensive season out of anybody since 2019. I think he's the leader in F4. He had a 207 WRC plus. Like that's almost more impressive than 62 home runs. Like he was 107% better than a league average hitter. Yep. So now 
It's just what will it cost? And a lot of numbers have been thrown out there. Um, but what you can look at is the other big time contracts. For example, Mookie Betts signed an enormous deal. Mike Trout makes $37 million a year. Bryce Harper in 2019 makes $27 million a year over 13 years. Now, Judge is going to be looking for probably the highest AAV of any position player in baseball because now he will be 30 at the time of, of when he signs his contract. So I'm looking at potentially an eight or nine year deal worth $40 million a year for Aaron judge. It's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And even those words coming out of my mouth is incredibly scary to give a six foot seven outfielder that much money. But at the end of the day, Aaron judge is going to go out on the open market. The Giants said that they're interested. There's a lot of big fish interested in Aaron judge. Like we talk about the Mets needing a center fielder and Brandon Nimmo. The Mets need a center fielder and Aaron judge played most of his games in center field. You see Steve Cohen's pockets. They will drive up the price just to make the Yankees pay more. If the Yankees want him, Yankees need him. They're going to have to pony up historic levels of money. And when I say that eight years for three twenty. Or nine years for 360 makes sense when you consider what the rest of the market will give Aaron Judge. That's yeah, where I'm at. I, th- I think eight years. Um, ultimately, you look at these other contracts, right? Mike Trout, it was a 12 year deal, but relatively speaking, it ends in his age 38 season, right? The last year of that deal was in 2030. In his age 38 season, the way most of these deals work and you look at Bryce Harper, I'm, I think it's similar in terms of, of when his contract is up to and how old he will be. You look at these kinds of deals, 38 years old as well, but yeah, he'll be, yeah, he'll is it be 38 a, or 30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you look at those deals, you're pretty much signing up for, you know, kind of getting hit value wise on the back end. That's what it takes to lock up superstars, knowing that there's a good chance you're going to get beat up on the back end of the deal. That's probably going to be the case with Aaron Judge too, right? You're going to have to give those extra years and get beat up on the back end of the deal. AAV is tough because I look at Mike Trout and it's going to be shorter term than Mike Trout. So obviously they're going to push for as much AAV as possible. Except when Mike Trout signed this deal, he's Mike freaking Trout. And Mike Trout was doing this consistently, maybe not 62 home runs, but you know, really showing these a generational talent for several, several, several years at that point uh, while playing, you know, really good defense at center. I think it's going to be very close to the 37 AAV. I think he, he just edges it out because of the shorter term deal. I think we're going to see 38 to 39, maybe 40 over eight years is, is what, what I think as well. So, I mean, that's a lot of money, but for the Yankees, you're the most valuable freaking franchise really in sports. You're the most iconic franchise, arguably in sports. You have to keep the face of your franchise who transcended the sport this year. It was perfect that he was a Yankee from their perspective, right? The guy that transcends baseball is on the organization that often transcends baseball, right? People come, tourists come to New York. What do they buy? They buy a freaking Yankees hat. You have to keep Aaron Judge. You have no choice. And I think it's going to be for about 38 to 40 million a year over over eight years. I agree. And this is why I think that 
Aaron Judge deserves possibly more than Mike Trout. Only, you know, a couple reasons. Inflation, you know, Inflation. just as the market increases, like Max Scherzer made $43.3 million. Jacob DeGrom is, is set to make more. That's just how the market works. And like Aaron Judge, when we talk about that Mike Trout is Mike freaking Trout, and Mike Trout deserves to be Mike freaking Trout. But Aaron Judge is freaking Aaron Judge. Since 2019, he's the league leader in F4. Like, let's not get this twisted. When we saw that Trey Turner clip that was narrated by John Hamm, he said, you know, Trey Turner's been better than Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and and Jose Ramirez. You know the one name that was ahead of Trey Turner? That's Aaron fucking Judge. Yeah. Dude, 22.3 F war. Trey Turner to Mookie Betts is 20 war, 20 F war to 19.6. Aaron Judge is at 22.3. And Mike Trout doesn't have the Gaudi war numbers just because he's played 342 games since 2019 compared to Aaron Judge of 435. But that was the one issue, right, with Aaron Judge. It was the durability. But he's proved it now season over Two straight season. season. That he can two straight seasons of being durable. Like if we're looking at home run leaderboards, there are a couple of guys with 113, 110. Simmons got 111 home runs since judge has 137 home runs. Yeah. He is second in WRC plus two trout in 110 more games. Aaron judge is one of the best overall players in the game of baseball. And it's not due to just offense defensively. He's been great in right field. He's even played center field. Like Aaron judge, we could think of him as a center fielder with this type of contract. Like I think he's going to get eight for three twenty or nine for three sixty, And I would not be surprised to see him get nine for three sixty. We've talked at length now about the Yankees who are a couple of other teams who will be in the Aaron judge sweepstakes. Like who's the number one that comes to your mind if he doesn't resign with New York. Yeah, it's got to be the San Francisco Giants, right? I mean, it, they are looking to make that splash. And, you know, they were in on John Carlos Stanton. They, they were willing to take on that contract before the Yankees ultimately, you know, were able to pry him away from the Marlins and, and make that deal happen. When you see what the Giants have done in the past, you know, they have some ground to make up. This is a great way to make up a lot of ground in one move. Obviously, they'll make some other moves, too. And it's going to be tough, though. How do you sell Aaron Judge on, on leaving the Yankees and going to San Francisco, which is you know definitely a less talented roster? But money talks. And I don't know if he wants to be on the West Coast. I don't know what that side of things is. I assume he wants to remain a Yankee. But San Francisco is one of the more well-run organizations in baseball. They are very enticing to superstars. There's a lot of reasons to want to be there. And I think they're going to make a very competitive offer to Aaron Judge, and the ball will be in his court. Do not count out the Los Angeles Dodgers. For one, we know that they have a boatload of money. Two, what's one weakness right now of the Dodgers? Outfield. Outfield. They have Mookie, obviously, who's amazing. But they have Bellinger in center, who will be a free agent, I think, after this season. I think right? they're going to non-tender him. So, And then you have Trace Thompson. Chris Taylor is a shell of what he once was. You don't have a lot of outfield options there in Los Angeles. I mean, on the bench right now, I'm looking at guys like Luke Williams. Like I don't yeah, even really know who him. that is. They just like James Outman. Yeah, like giant James Outman, like that those guys, like, yeah, are those guys taking up spots for the Dodgers. Do they fully believe in Trace Thompson or is Trace Thompson more of a good 
you know, righty lefty guy. He's you know, a fourth when lefty outfielder. comes in, he's a yeah. fourth outfielder. The Los Angeles Dodgers could pony up and challenge the Yankees. That's why I think this deal is going to be so expensive because another team that we need to talk about is the fucking New York Mets. He loves New York all much. What if Steve Cohen says, you know what, Judge? You feel like you're getting disrespected. You know where you won't be disrespected financially? Here. We'll give you 10 for 360. Wouldn't be surprised, would you? Like the Steve Cohen could just say, you know what? This is the ultimate we are now the team in New York. If we go get Aaron Judge, the Yankees are now our little brothers. We were we won as many games as they did last year. You know, we got out in the wild card round, but you know, it's baseball and five three game sample. Like anything could happen. Like so all you got to do is just get to the playoffs, and then you see what happens. Like the Phillies made the World Series. Like anything could happen. I'm not taking anything away from Philly, but it's just that speaks to anything can happen. I think the Mets will make a very competitive offer for Aaron Judge and should be in the running. Let's say they lose Nimmo. Who are they going to put in center arm? Why I not just, Aaron Judge? I hate the idea of playing Judge in center every day. I really I, I know, but it's Steve Cohen who we're talking yeah, about here. I know. Look, Steve Cohen, I, I feel like it, we, we're going to have the Mets in on any any expensive free agent. And I, I, you, you laid the groundwork of what better way to – capture some of that New York fan base and capture some of that New York market than to sign away the face of the Yankees franchise. I don't see how, if it's a bidding war between the Yankees and the Mets and Steve Cohen goes ridiculous with the offer, I still think the Yankees have to find a way. I I, I legitimately, this franchise is worth several billions of dollars. One of the most valuable franchises in sports. You got to find a way. So I ultimately think there's going to be teams that make offers. They're going to try, but I, I do believe that most of these teams feel like the odds are are stacked against them uh, in terms of being able to pry him away from the Yankees. I just think that there's a lot of loyalty there still. And I, I don't think he likes the way things ended with the way the postseason went for him. It'd be a really rough way to go out of New York. I, I just don't know how any other team, even with Steve Cohen bidding higher, I think judge would take less to be a Yankee. I really do. I, I do believe he would take a little bit less to be a Yankee. I hope you're right. Final prediction for Aaron judge. Oof. I think he signs a nine year, $340 million deal with the New York Yankees. And the reason I say nine for three forty is I think there are going to be plenty of eight year deals on the table for 300 plus million dollars. And I think the Yankees will pony up Give him that ninth year. I think he'll get some nine-year deals from other teams, but eventually say, you know what? They gave me a truckload of cash. They gave me nine years. They gave me 300 plus million dollars. That's where I'm going to go. And I think that ninth year will be crucial because I think at the beginning, we're going to see some seven-year deals. Then the eight-year deals are going to be a plenty. And I think the ninth is going to push him over the edge. And he goes back to the New York Yankees for nine years for $340 million. And as soon as he signs the dotted line, I will be slightly <laughs> nervous for how that contract will end up. Because we know, historically, it has nothing to do with Aaron Judge. It has nothing. He could be the it's absolute the perfect curve. baseball player. He could be Shohei Otani. He could be Shohei Otani. Ten-year deals don't often work. So I will be slightly nervous. But at the same time, as a Yankee fan, I will be incredibly excited to see him back in pinstripes where he belongs. Yeah, I'm going to say eight years, 305 to the New York Yankees. Mutual option on, on that final year. That I, I I hope 
someone goes nine ninth year for him because I think that'd be pretty pretty crazy. I don't know if I could see a team giving a you know 30, 31 year old in a, a nine year deal, but that might be what it takes ultimately for the Yankees to to make it happen without going ridiculously over 40 million, you know, in the AAV department. But I'm gonna say eight years thir- 38 and change, which would give you $305 million contract. Uh 38 and change AAV. That's gonna be my final prediction. Back to the Yankees. We got him. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Um, all the links, of course, are in the episode description. Code for um Merch is still live October 15. Um, we also will be having a Black Friday sale. Um, so be on the lookouts for that. Um, what is Black Friday? The day after, day before Thanksgiving. What is it? Never been a Black Friday yeah. guy. Is I think, I think it's, it's the day after. Day after? Day after. That makes sense because then it officially gets into Christmas season, even though in commercials you're seeing Christmas. Oh, yeah. Stuff, like Christmas before, trees. Yeah, before Halloween. Um, so that's live in the episode description. Um, Arm is currently writing up top 10 outfielders. So if you are really curious about Kevin Kiermaier, honestly, I love you if you are, because that means you're a true baseball fan, because I will be. But of course, on the podcast, Arm and I could be going on for hours and hours and hours about like random center fielders and, and guys like that. But this episode, you just heard our top five outfielders. Of course, you can find these all on YouTube and individual episodes. And make sure you go subscribe if you are listening to this on YouTube and you enjoyed all of this content. Hit us with us, hit the subscribe button, give us a like, let us know in the comments where you guys think these players are going. And obviously, the best way to support our podcast without spending a dime, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. We're going to be keeping you through the offseason and tomorrow, possibly. The biggest interview in baseball history will be live. And I cannot wait. Those who follow me on Twitter, those who follow us all over social media probably already know who it is. I don't want to ruin it yet. You will find out on Friday who that interview is. Anything else before we say goodbye? Not looking forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun. It should be a good conversation. Um, That's it for me. Just put out Orioles top 10 prospects that's up on just baseball.com as well. Just about to do an episode on that. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be up on the call up as well. Uh, A lot of Arizona folly coverage, a lot of free agent coverage as well. Everything on just baseball.com. So keep up with us there. That's it for me. And with that, thank you everybody.